Welcome to the Gut Connection with Brian Jerby, MD, where we discuss the connection that gastrointestinal health has with all of health. We review the latest research and interview the greatest minds in this rapidly advancing field of gut health and integrative functional medicine. Please keep in mind that this podcast is provided for educational purposes only and should not be considered a substitute for care from a licensed medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that this does not constitute medical advice or other medical services. If you would like more information about Dr. Jerby and the type of medical care that he provides, please visit drjerby.com. That's D-R-J-E-R-B-Y.com. Now, let's get to this episode of The Gut Connection. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Gut Connection. You're going to have to put up with me today, uh, but I do want to let you know that we've got interviews scheduled coming up, uh, including um, biodynamic wine um, and uh, other interesting episodes that that um, we've got scheduled. So uh, have no fear. You don't have to listen to me all the time, but I did want to talk about the fact that we just finished I was going to say returned but it was an it was a virtual conference uh, we just finished the annual international conference of IFM or the Institute for Functional Medicine and it was an interesting conference it was much more abbreviated than it has been in the past and I missed those in-person uh, conferences where you can interact with your colleagues and and um, have a much more uh, satisfying educational experience. But it was good nonetheless, and we did. Uh, there were some talks about the microbiome and the importance of that, which of course you know is is one of the areas of my interest. And uh, we had uh, a mast cell expert uh, talking about mast cell activation syndrome and the latest on that. Uh, an, an oncologist about integrating uh, nutritional therapies to uh, benefit or be adjunctive to, um, you know, conventional chemotherapy, etc. And that was that was a very good talk. And we even had uh, a person talking about how the soil <laughs> um, actually influences your help, your health, and and as you know, we've had we did a, an episode on that where I interviewed a longtime farmer who talked about um, those sorts of things. And the most important thing is that um, there was a talk about trying to get some research started in um, these practices and as you know that's one of the thing the great things that needs to be done in functional medicine is get more research based uh, data out there to show the conventional medicine world that this works this uh, is effective and in order to do that Research has got to be done and has to be published. So that was very exciting to hear that uh, there are some who are pushing that way. And during the conference, 
I got to thinking about functional medicine, integrative medicine, and what I do, and what a lot of people do, and got to kind of uh, bask in the fact that one of the great things is that we, you know, get to integrate all of the best parts of each area of medicine. So we get to integrate, uh, you know, conventional medicine practices and principles. We get to, um, you know, really uh, do the best of nutritional medicine. We get to do the best of, of natural or herbal medicine. And we put those all together and practice uh, in such a way that we feel like our patients get the best um, overall care. And, you know, I just really think that's great about uh, where functional medicine hopefully is taking uh, the, the world of medicine, not only in the United States, but internationally, as we saw from the uh, annual international conference that we were seeing in the chat box, we were seeing people from all over the world, um, you know, including uh, Indonesia and, you know, some Asian countries as well as Europe, uh, South America, etc. So this is a this is a movement and a great movement uh, toward the proper practice of healthcare, And uh, I'm really, really excited to be able to offer that to my patients um, because I think it gives the best of all worlds. And so that brings me to our brief topic today because I get this question a lot. You know, if you practice functional medicine, then why do you use pharmaceuticals? Well, uh, you know, I do practice functional medicine and we do use pharmaceuticals, not always, but again, what I do is integrate the best of the pharmaceuticals with the best of herbal medicine, with the best of nutritional, with the best of lifestyle, etc. And so, you know, the main pharmaceuticals that I use probably are antibiotics. <gasps> People are, are aghast at that fact. You use pharmaceutical antibiotics? And, uh, you know, I explained to them, yes, I do use pharmaceutical antibiotics, but only the best ones because everyone knows that pharmaceutical antibiotics have a tendency to really mess up a person's microbiome. So, you know, I've had thousands of patients who come to see me and Yes, antibiotics have definitely messed up their microbiome. We've done some testing and we've seen this major dysbiosis and they have a history of, you know, multiple rounds of antibiotics. And so I share people's concerns when it comes to antibiotics. Uh, and so I don't use them, you know, in a willy-nilly fashion. I don't prescribe antibiotics for every single case you know this is a a conversation that I have with my patients uh, about the pros and cons of 
of the treatment options and then we select together what would probably be best for them. But the fact that I treat a lot of SIBO, you know, means that I have this conversation a lot because one of the treatments for SIBO is pharmaceutical antibiotics. Um, it is a bacterial overgrowth, of course, and these are antibacterial um, medications, and therefore uh, they are effective in the treatment of SIBO. And so, you know, I have this conversation a lot that I, I tell folks, I know that, you know, everyone knows that that antibiotics generally will mess up your microbiome because all you have to do um, is, especially if you're female, all you have to do is take a round of antibiotics and it can kill a lot of the good, uh, the good bacteria in your body and um, then it can set up an opportunity for other organisms to uh, run amok on you know uninhibited and in the case of a lot of women what happens is they develop a vaginal yeast infection so you know you take around of antibiotics and it throws off the balance of your bacteria and the yeast say aha here's my opportunity i'm gonna you know multiply like crazy and um, then people end up with a vaginal yeast infection but it's not just that i mean People can uh, show up with other, uh, you know, opportunistic infections as well. Um, but yeast just probably being the, the most common. But the, another, you know, fairly common one that a lot of people know about is Clostridium difficile. Um, or more appropriately this day and age, Clostriorides difficile. They kind of changed the name, but C. diff, it's still C. diff. Let's call it C. diff. So C. diff generally uh, happens. It can happen in other settings, but most of the time it happens when someone, you know, takes a round of antibiotics, say like, I don't know, for a sinus infection, and it kills off uh, a number of bacteria in the gut that were good bacteria keeping the balance, and lo and behold, C. diff says, aha, it was there already, but it says, aha, here's my opportunity. Let's multiply like crazy. Let's create some toxins. And then people end up with C. diff colitis. And that happens a lot. Um, but, you know, you could also have a, a, much simpler, um, a much simpler manifestation of that and just get antibiotic-associated diarrhea, which is because of a major imbalance created by taking, you know, oral antibiotics, for instance, and it creates the imbalance. And, you know, there's no necessary, not necessarily a C. diff problem, but just the major imbalance um, can disrupt the gut enough to um, cause diarrhea. So, yeah, I mean, it has a lot of limitations and it has a lot of um, potential adverse effects. Uh, so we don't take 
um, this lightly when we prescribe pharmaceuticals and we only want to choose the very best pharmaceuticals for the, you know, for the problem at hand. And we want to make sure that the pharmaceuticals are more effective or at least as effective as the more natural um, options like herbal antibiotics. Um, so sometimes in SIBO, it's necessary to um, hit a person's um, bacterial overgrowth with a round of um, pharmaceutical antibiotics followed by a round of herbal antibiotics. And I call that the the one-two punch with the right jab and the left hook coming at it from two different directions to really knock it out. Um, so I think that's a lot of times more effective than just doing, you know, two right jabs. In other words, two rounds of, of the same treatment. I like to do a round of, of, you know, for instance, pharmaceutical antibiotics followed by a round of herbal antibiotics, if necessary, to to really give it the the old one-two punch. So that brings us to the question of well, why, you know, with all these limitations and all these things that you've, all these objections that you've raised to your own. Um, your own prescribing of, of antibiotics, why do you still do it? Well, I use a lot of rifaximin in SIBO. So rifaximin, which its trade name is Zyfaxin. Um, rifaximin is an unusually good antibiotic for, for the problems that I see mostly, which is I see a lot of SIBO. A lot of small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And therefore, we treat with a lot of rifaximin. So why? Well, rifaximin is not your usual antibiotic. And I, you know, truth be told, I rarely prescribe other antibiotics. Standard, you know, like Augmentin or or Bactrim, or something like that. I rarely do that. I do it, but I rarely do it. Um, I use Rifaximin a lot, probably because I see a whole lot of SIBO patients, but I also think that it's an unusually good antibiotic for the problem at hand. Um, and here's the reasons. Number one, it's broad spectrum, meaning, you know, it, it, covers a lot of bacteria. Um, it covers both aerobes and anaerobes. If you're, you know, into thinking about bacteria and microbiology and all that kind of stuff, it has broad spectrum coverage and um, it covers the main um, organisms that are involved in SIBO, which are E. coli and Klebsiella. You know, the, again, these are bacteria that are normally in your colon, but they are now growing in your small intestine, and that's why it's called small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or SIBO. So um, it's broad 
spectrum. It covers the bacteria that you know, we need to cover. The other great thing about it is that it's not absorbed to a significant degree into your systemic circulation, meaning, you know, regular antibodies get absorbed into your bloodstream. They flow all over, over your body. Your heart pumps them to, to your big toe, which has, a, you know, has an infection, and that's how it gets rid of the bacteria. Well, since our problem is in the gut, we don't really want it to be absorbed into your bloodstream to a significant degree because that's not the problem. The problem's in your gut, and therefore we would like to have a a you know poorly absorbed, which is good in this case, poorly absorbed antibiotic that mainly works in the small intestine and that rifaximin fits the bill. So another great, uh, you know, another great characteristic of rifaximin and that, you know, we'll put that on the wind side. Um, the other reasons that I do it uh, or use it is uh, there are a number of studies out there that show that rifaximin also has anti-inflammatory properties. So, you know, it, it, it decreases uh, tumor necrosis factor. Um, it inhibits what's called NF-kappa B. Uh, anyway, it has anti-inflammatory properties. I like to use it when it's appropriate in my um, Crohn's and colitis patients. Uh, so it can, you know, have, have anti-inflammatory properties as well. And another great thing about rifaximin, and I, I honestly don't know um, exactly how this works, but um, it, it has been shown to not wipe out your whole microbiome. So, you know, that's very unusual. It actually is shown to support bifidobacterium and, and lactobacillus um, where it, it, it doesn't totally wipe it out like a lot of um, pharmaceutical antibiotics will. It's, you know, it's actually um, what we call eubiotic. Um, so it doesn't cause that major disruption of the microbiome resulting in opportunistic infections like yeast. Um, so, you know, I've, I've prescribed this uh probably thousands of times now. And um, I we just don't have people calling in and say, oh boy, now I've got a yeast infection. I've got, you know, yeast problems. So um, it's pretty amazing as a pharmaceutical antibiotic. Um, it's very safe. It has low side effects. Uh, in, there's been tons of studies with this antibiotic and um, it, you know, it rarely, rarely do we have folks that are calling in with side effects that are directly related to the rifaximin. I mean, they call in and let us know about symptoms that are consistent with die-off, meaning um, you're killing a bunch of bacteria in the gut. And since 70% of our immune systems in our gut, there's a whole bunch of 
bacteria dying in there and the immune system sees it and it's like, ah, there's a whole bunch of bacteria, you know, dying. All their products are of their of the cells are being released into the into the uh, lumen of the bowel and the immune system sees that and kind of sounds an alarm because it's think thinks it's being attacked and it starts creating cytokines and as you know <laughs> with covid everybody's heard about cytokines and as you know cytokines um, make you are the things that make you feel like you got the flu achy tired um, sometimes you can have diarrhea, sometimes constipation, you know, there's just a whole slew of different symptoms that are related to, um, die off. Yes, they have those, but it's also unlike other antibiotics in that we're not seeing resistance develop to it. Um, so you can do treatment after treatment. Um, maybe up to six times, studies suggest, and it really the studies don't don't show any antibiotic resistance uh, building up to it. So um, it's really really an unusual antibiotic. And you know, to my point, that's why we use it because it has a great profile, meaning. Uh, it fits, you know, the bill for everything that we're trying to achieve. And those are the pharmaceuticals that we use. We only use the best for the problem at hand. And if there's a better treatment option for a person, let's say an herbal, then we'll definitely go with that. Uh, so anyway, we I really wanted to emphasize that point that the great thing about what we do is that we have all options available uh we're not limited by the fact that you know we only practice herbal medicine we also use pharmaceuticals we also use nutraceuticals we also you know use a holistic approach uh, there's just so many great things about uh, functional medicine and the way uh, we do things here, at least at Legacy Health. I, I can't speak to, uh, you know, very many other other practices, but uh, it just really is very satisfying overall because I can offer my patients the best of all worlds. And, um, you know, when it comes to SIBO and Rifaximin, that's definitely one of the uh, great things that we offer people. Um, so I guess we'll leave it at that. This was a, a definitely a shorter episode, and that's okay, uh, because maybe you need a break from me doing all the yakking. Um, but uh, if you need help, make sure and reach out to us. Uh, you can... Uh, check us out on our website or actually even give us a call. We try to make sure that if you call, you'll get a human being if it's during, you know, regular business hours. If we don't answer, uh, you know, it's because we're we're currently, you know, involved with other patients. 
but um, you know, give us ten minutes. Call back again. Uh, we're a small office, so uh, we we can't ev- answer every call, but we certainly do our best to answer every call to um, try to serve you well. So that'll be it for this week. And um, if you have questions or or you know comments, please reach out. Um, please, if you're finding this to be helpful, please you know, give us a, a, a rating on your podcast player so we can get our message out to more people. And so uh, for this week, uh, that'll be it. And I wish you good health and long life. God bless you. Bye-bye. And that ends this episode of The Gut Connection. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to having you back for our next episode where we'll discuss more gut-related topics and interview leaders in this rapidly advancing field. If you would like more information, please visit us at drjerby.com. That's D-R-J-E-R-B-Y.com. Until next time, take care and may God bless you.